Heavenly Father, thank you for each and every blessing that you bless us with and pray that we might have an understanding and a, a remembrance of that all these blessings that we receive in this life come from you. Thank you for this, another opportunity to worship you and study your word and to fellowship and be with us as we do so. May we do it in in a way and manner to be pleasing unto you and be with us throughout this day, throughout future life, and we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. In our Ephesians and in, in our Ephesians, in our study of Ephesians, remember this is the lady he's talking about. He's trying to tell her that she's got she's got some blessings she don't even know she has. In the same way with us. Very short, very short review of what we've already gone over is, is that Paul's been going over the riches or the blessings that we're provided as Christians, and he broke it down into three categories. One was the blessings that he provides, which was the planning of our salvation and redemption, and then the part that his son played, and that was this, is when he purchased our freedom and our redemption. And now that we're in a shape that he is willing to associate with us, he gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can stay that way. So, where did I go? All right. So we could stay that way. So three major categories, the blessings that the Father provides us, the blessings that Christ provided us, and then the blessings and the riches that the Holy Spirit does. And we talked about the Holy Spirit the last couple of times when we got down to where it says that we, or those Ephesians, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And we talked about what that sealed meant. Now the next milestone in what Paul has to say here is we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So three words in here that really stands out. One is the sealed, the other is the promised Holy Spirit and the third is, is a guarantee. The Spirit guarantees us our inheritance. So, what does Paul mean when he makes the statement or uses the words, the promised Holy Spirit? Why did the Ephesians need to know and why do we need to know today that the Holy Spirit that seals us is He is the promised Holy Spirit. What significance does that have in us and those Ephesians then? What effect does it have on the Christian to know that he or she has been sealed with the promised 
Holy Spirit. See, that word's important in there because what it does is, when we study it a little bit, it conveys to you and to me just what it is that we've been promised. Just what it is that has claimed us as one of his own. And it helps us as we go through this life. So what is this promised Holy Spirit? Well, let's look at the prophecies, prophecies of it. Okay? Joel. Joel and Joel 2 and 28 made this statement. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions come. Okay, Joel. Here's what we want to look at right now. Or be aware of. Joel was a Jewish prophet. But his prophecy stated that whatever this pouring out of my spirit was, that it is to be, or when it was poured out, it was to be on all flesh. All flesh meaning Jew and Gentile. That's good for us. Most of us are Gentiles. So, who is it that Paul is referring to, or Joel is referring to here, that when this Holy Spirit is poured out, who is it that it was going to be poured out upon? All flesh. Everybody, both Jew and Gentile. And we've heard that phrase from Scripture a good deal. Now, Isaiah, in Isaiah 44 and 3, made this statement. He said, For I will pour out on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, I will pour my spirit upon your offspring, and I will and my blessings on your descendants. Who is he talking about here? Well, he's just referring to the Jews here. Because Isaiah again was a Jewish prophet. Is there a contradiction here? No. Because the context is just talking about the Jews here. Joel was talking about all flesh. Third prophecy is John the Baptist in Mark 1 and 8. John said this, I have baptized you with water. That's John the Baptist speaking now. I have baptized you with water. But he, he's talking about Christ here of course, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Who's he talking to? He's talking to all those apostles. And all those apostles at that time were Jews. So who is it that, he, that this Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on or baptized with? In, in John's prophecy here, it's the Jews. Now, moving on down in time,
about Pentecost or the day before, somewhere in there, in Acts 1, 4 through 5, Jesus had this to say. And while staying with them, that's the apostles, he, that's Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. You heard me, you have heard me say, that the Father has, has promised you something. Referring to the Holy Spirit. How do we know? For John the Baptist baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Matter of fact, it was that day or the next day. So that's, that's four prophecies. But now look. A lot of controversy here. Who is the pronouns referred to in this, in this text here? When you go back and you look and you follow the pronouns through, it's referring to the twelve apostles only. Some folks try to, in, try to show that it refers to... 120 people, some of them to a multitude. But when you follow the text, the context and the text and the pronouns, it gets very, very clear that he's talking about just and only the 12 apostles here. That's his instruction. That's the only ones who this promise that he made at that point in time applied to was the twelve apostles. Now, he made this promise to them. Well, he first told them, he said, you stay here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. That's contract or bringing it down and simplifying it down to what he had to say. You stay here in Jerusalem because I'm going to I'm going to send you something. When was it? When was the fulfillment of these prophecies that the Old Testament writers prophecies made and John the Baptist made and Jesus made? When, when was it fulfilled? Well, listen to what Peter has to say on Pentecost here in Acts 2, 16 through 18. Peter makes a statement. He said, but this. What is this? If you go back to verses 15, 16, what is it that, that's happening? And record it. It's these visible manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It's the cloven tongues that appeared as cloven tongues. It's the fire. It's the visible phenomena that happened that day. It's the speaking in tongues that these twelve apostles were doing. It's what these people saw and they heard. 
And they thought they were drunk because of them being able to speak in tongues. That's what the this is up here. When you look back a verse or two earlier. So what Peter is going is saying here is, but this, all of this visible manifestations, all of this speaking in tongues that you're hearing, is what was uttered through the prophet Joel in two and eighteen. And he quotes Joel, and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and shall and they shall prophesy. Is there any question that what Joel prophesied hundreds of years before it's what's happening now that Peter's talking about. So this pouring out of the Holy Spirit is happening here as Peter's recording what he's recording on Pentecost. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, however you want to say it, is happening on Pentecost. Look at this. Moving on in Acts 2, Peter makes this statement. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, that's Christ at that time. See, he had ascended now. He had left this earth and he'd gone back to the Father. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, Now, Peter, what are you saying? God did his part. He planned it. Christ came to earth and he bought us and purchased us. He had done that. And after having purchased us, he didn't want to leave us. So what promise did God the Father make to him? He says, when you leave, when you come back up with me, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to take over those who you purchased. Take care of those who you purchased. So the promise was not only to the, us Gentiles and the Jews, but it was to Jesus too. You may be coming back up and ascending back up here with me. 
after having purchased them, but I'm going to send my Holy Spirit back down there and He's going to take care of them while you're here. Now, stop right there and think about what's taking place. Way back before the world was ever created, God the Father planned that He was going to call the individuals that accepted Him and he was going to send his son so that he would be he could legitimately forgive them of their sins let him die in their place let him pay for those sins and transgressions that he knew all people would do he's going to provide that door or that gate so that they can be saved and then when his son comes back up to live with him, he is not going to leave those folks by themselves. He is not going to leave them to Satan without any help. So his plan was is he would send the Holy Spirit to help those who were called to stay saved. Now think about what he's done for us. Think how blessed that we are that we were bought and paid for and that we've got the Holy Spirit to keep us that way. <clears throat> How much did God think of His people? How much did He want to have these people be so that they could live with Him? Now, so he, promised, he sent the Holy Spirit that was promised. He promised that Holy Spirit all the way back to before the foundation of the world. Now, the, and having received from the Father, that's, what is that? Having received, that's past tense, isn't it? When Paul or Peter was on Pentecost preaching this Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit that had been promised for hundreds of years had already been poured out. It was past tense. He'd already began or begun his function of keeping Christians saved. And a little more. That's, of course, there are specific functions within the general function of keeping people saved, and that's what he started on Pentecost. So, 
having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has, again, past tense. He has poured out this This what? What has he poured out? Poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So Peter's explaining it now to all this multitude that he and the other apostles are preaching to. Remember, all of them for the most part were Jews here, and they had they knew the prophecies. So what Peter's saying to them is, all of this awe-inspiring, fantastic show, both visibly and audibly, all this that you see and hear right now, that's the Holy Spirit being poured out on you Jews. What you're seeing... And what you're hearing is the promised Holy Spirit. So what Peter's telling them here is, is that God has kept His promises. He promised you a Holy Spirit. Now you have it. It has come. As we'll see, this is just part one of two. See, we're only talking about the 12 apostles here. But then the whole multitude in Jerusalem saw it. But it's happening, the promised Holy Spirit happened on Pentecost. It started his era of of our salvation started on Pentecost. Now let's look at something here. Acts 2 and 33 again. Talking about this promise of the Holy Spirit He has poured out. And this is important here. The terms that Paul's using. He is trying, you look at it and you think, you you don't think much about it. I mean, you just flow right on through and you pick up some of these other words in here. But this phrase, poured out, that has a lot of meaning to it. And we'll try to show that as we go through this. Look back again at Joel's prophecy. Just a little more information to show that this is what Joel was, was referring to. Poured out. It's the same thing. He says, I will pour out my spirit. So what Paul is talking about here in Acts 2 that happened to those apostles... Now let me say right here, and this is the important part, and I'm gonna, I don't know if I can show this or not later, but we're going to try. 
the prophecy of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And what Peter gives here is the miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles. But now, look back at Joel's prophecy. Pour out my spirit on all flesh. Is that just the apostles? I mean, that, you know, something's not right. I mean, that don't fit, does it? Well, as we said earlier, that means all flesh is the Jews and Gentiles. Up here in Paul and in Peter's account of Pentecost, are the Gentiles included in that? No, not really. When you go back and you look at the text, so only the Jews were part of that that day. Only the miraculous part of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the apostles. So how does all flesh fit in that? And that is the concept that we need to understand today. Because with that knowledge and with that concept, we can live this Christian life so much easier if we understand what this all includes here when it talks about the Holy Spirit being poured out on Pentecost and on all flesh. Well, having said that, let's just move on. <clears throat> now, there was also something else. And that was the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit's ordinary gift being promised. That's what the Ephesians got. That's what you and I get today, is the ordinary gift. And let me say this. That's a dumb name. That's a misnomer. When we say ordinary gift, that is a huge, huge misnomer. But it's what it seems like that has been coined as nothing but an effort to set it apart from the miraculous gift. And I guess something's either ordinary or it's miraculous. But it just has a bad connotation to it when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. But let be that may. Peter on Pentecost again, on Acts 2 and 38 and 39, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise Oh, what's the promise? What did Peter promise them in verse 38? If they would repent and be baptized, they would have the forgiveness of their sins, and in addition to being forgiven, he made a promise to them. 
they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, that promise, maybe, either just that promise or the promise that Joel and Ezekiel and John the Baptist and Jesus made. For the promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off. That promise is for you, you Jews who are present today, your children which are not here today or either future children, and for the all who are far off, the Gentiles. Now, what is Peter promised here? The gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the same promise that Joel made, Isaiah made, hundreds of years before. Who is the recipients of this promise that Peter made here in verses 38 and 39? It's everybody that would repent and be baptized. That includes us. <coughs> Does it not? Are we not those who are far off? Everybody, what Peter's saying here is, everybody who will repent and be baptized are the called, remember back to the first part of Ephesians, are the called and the elect. And those people are the ones who will receive this Holy Spirit. Those Jews that were present on Pentecost that heard the apostles speaking in tongues their children whether they were on there at Pentecost or were future children that were not there or would be born later their children all of their children and for all who are all far off Gentiles us So this gift of the Holy Spirit, this promise of the Holy Spirit, who was to receive it? Everybody down through ages who repented and was baptized. Why is that important to us today? Because if I know that, I know that God has given me that thing that he promised to keep me saved down through the ages. So the promise, 
of the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit that Paul talks about in verses 13 and 14 in Ephesians, is this Holy Spirit that happened or occurred or was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And that promise, that promised Holy Spirit that those folks were given then because they repented and because they were baptized is the same promised Holy Spirit that we receive today when we repent and we're baptized. Now why do I say that? Because that Holy Spirit that we receive today is no less powerful, no less functional than the one that the people in Acts 2 and 38 received. And oh, by the way, the one that the apostles received too. Now we're going to try to talk about that Try to try to get that out and make it a little more pure as we go through this. Come on, baby. Well, it ain't working, Larry. I guess I'll have to do it this way. Found out where I'm at in this thing. All right. Two occurrences now. Remember, we just talked about Pentecost. And the first half, part one of two parts, happened on Pentecost. Well, when was the other part? Is this going to work? I don't think it is. Give me another one, Larry, if you can. There we go. House of Cornelius, Acts eleven fifteen through 16. Again, Larry. Here, Peter records something else that happened. Peter makes this statement. He says, as I, as I, bless Peter, He's the one talking. That's who I is here. As I began to speak, in other words, as I began to preach to this house of Cornelius, something happened. While he was preaching to them, something happened. And what was it? The Holy Spirit fell on them. There's that word or phrase, fell on again. Well, Peter, have you seen anything like it before? Just as on us at the beginning. Well, give me another one up there, Larry. Not too much. Fell on us as at the beginning. Who is the us here? 
this Holy Spirit fell on somebody. And what Peter says here, it fell on us. Well, who is us? Peter's got to be included because he's included in us. Well, who was with Peter? There were six or seven, I forgot how many it was, Jews that were with him. At the beginning... Well, when is the first recording of this Holy Spirit falling on anybody? It's Pentecost, when it fell on the apostles. So who is Peter referred to here as us? It's the apostles, or you could put it this way, the Jewish race. When? At the beginning. Well, when is the beginning? Well, what is he talking about here? The church. So this Holy Spirit, when Peter was preaching to the household of Cornelius, this Holy Spirit, the same thing he saw on Pentecost that fell on the Jews, fell on this house of Cornelius, while Peter was preaching. Well, who is the house? Who is Cornelius? He's a Gentile. Who is this household? They're Gentiles. And then what did he say? And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This thought come across his mind. He heard, he remembered what John had to say. So, when is the beginning? When did this other, this thing happen that happened when Peter was talking to the house of Cornelius in his Gentile household? Pentecost. That's the only thing that he refers to. When he, when he starts trying to describe this, what happened to the Gentiles, that's the only thing that comes in his mind is what happened to them on Pentecost. Now look at this, these two little words up there. The Holy Spirit fell on them just as. What does he mean there? It means this Holy Spirit that fell on us at Pentecost is the same one, the same manner as I'm seeing here today. And then you've got to go back. Or your mind carries you back to Joel's prophecy. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. God, at this moment, 
had just fulfilled his promise to pour the Holy Spirit out, give the Holy Spirit to Jew and Gentile alike, everybody, all flesh. Why is that important to us today? So that I can know that this powerful Holy Spirit that made all of these signs and miracles on Pentecost, that made those signs and miracles at the house of Cornelius, that that powerful, and I keep using that word because we need to understand it, that powerful Holy Spirit that was fell on them that day is the same powerful Holy Spirit that falls on us when we're repenting or baptized. Not the miraculous, but it's the same powerful Holy Spirit. Any questions now on this I don't want to jump in this next section trying to tie all this together because we won't have time today. But here's the message that comes out in all of this. This promised Holy Spirit that God promised way back before the foundation of the world, that promised Holy Spirit was the same one that He promises us today. And oh, by the way, He ain't lost any power. He don't hold any power back from us today. Think about this. What is it really trying to show us, convey to us, when the prophet uses, the historian uses, these two little words, fell on. And let's put another one there. Baptized. What does those, that one word and those, that one phrase, what is the concept that it's trying to get us to see about the gift of the Holy Spirit which we receive? Think about what those words are trying to convey to us. And then we'll talk about them later. <clears throat> 